Hello everybody, I'm Ben Mitchell, an attorney in Bills and Sunberg's litigation practice group. We're here today to have a very timely discussion about a topic that's very important to all of us, the increasing pressure on American corporations to make additional disclosures relating to their climate change practices. I'm joined today in my discussion by Bills and Sunberg's litigation group practice leader, Phil Stein. Phil and I have written on this topic a couple of times thus far and have detailed the SEC's push to gather information from the public and think about what kinds of additional disclosures they may potentially mandate. Now, Phil, thank you very much for joining me for this discussion. Um, my first question to you to kind of just get us going is when we talk about additional disclosures of climate change related risks, what exactly are we talking about? What, what are investors asking for from companies? I think the first thing to bear in mind is that we're talking about something that is part of a larger framework of issues. You're reading and hearing a lot about so-called ESG disclosures, that's environmental, um, social, and governance-related disclosures. We're talking here today about the really the E prong of that, the environmental or, or climate change-related side. So, you know, there's a lot of momentum for this whole uh, group of issues to be dealt with. Um, in, in regulatory filings of one sort or another, the SEC in particular is really, really pushing this. I think the second thing to bear in mind before we talk about exactly what might be required is that this is going to be something that is um, where some uniformity is going to be required by um, a particular federal agency such, such as the SEC. They're not going to just kind of allow companies to decide what to prioritize and how short or long it should be. Um, you know, maybe there'll be a little bit of latitude, but mostly it's going to be about following a kind of standardized framework for disclosure and then plugging in the things that are most applicable to a particular business. I think the next element of, of what is likely to come in terms of disclosures is there's going to be um, a need for companies to talk both in terms of principles, you know, general principles and, and how they're approaching uh, sustainability and resiliency issues, but also some metrics, some hard facts and some data that, um, that investors can use in deciding what, you know, how they want to allocate their investment dollars. I think then when, when you think specifically about what may be required, I think it's reasonable to assume that what companies are going to need to do is talk about risks and opportunities um, related to the, the physical structures that they have, uh, their headquarters or other physical structures that they have, and, and, and how those places might be affected by uh, climate change related issues. I think the next thing they're going to have to talk about is their products to the extent their products may be affected by um, you know, these kinds of issues. And I think their business generally. I mean, if you're in an, in an industry or in an area in which um, your supply chain or um, your day-to-day your -day operations for one reason or another are likely to be affected or disrupted at some point by some sort of climate event, um, you know, you need to disclose that, you're going to need to disclose that, and investors want to hear about it. Again, likewise, it's not just the negative stuff. To the extent you see some real opportunities in your business, as the world becomes more focused on climate change-related issues, investors want to, want to know about that. So I think we're looking at a comprehensive framework, um, part, again, part of a larger discussion about ESG issues, and, um, and, and something where there is going to be some guidance, but a need to focus on the things that are most likely to be most important to investors. Right, absolutely. And, and I think that you know, segues nicely kind of into the next question um, that I wanted to pose to you, which is the SEC development is, is a big one. Um, surely there are other regulatory and non-regulatory uh, entities that are taking a look at this issue. 
Um, do you see that the next step is going to be, you know, their announcement of a framework, or do you think we're going to continue to sort of be in this feeling out period um, where we're figuring out what exactly companies should should be putting forward? You know, I, I think we're at a time of interesting legal and business developments affecting uh, the the likely ESG disclosure requirements to come. On the legal side, certainly, I think the SEC uh, kind of looms largest right now in terms of expectations that we have that they are going to announce a, a, a framework and not just be kind of feeling things out, that they are going to come up with something fairly comprehensive that they want companies to, um, to use as their guide in submitting disclosures and SEC filings. Beyond that, I, I don't think there's any reason to believe the SEC is going to be alone. I think there, there will probably be some other agencies um, at, the, at the federal level, perhaps at the state level, and perhaps even internationally that are going to mandate that there be some some similar form of disclosure, maybe not identical to what the SEC is going to require. There are also business developments that are, that are afoot that are really driving this issue. Um, you know, we, we know, for example, that many companies themselves, Uber um, being a, a recent example, have come out and said, you know, we think that there should be ESG disclosures and, and we want to talk about these issues and we understand that they're important to investors. On the investor side, in the private equity world, for example, Collier Capital um, recently did a survey in which, somewhat surprisingly, they, they um, found that more than 75%, more than three-quarters of limited partners in partnerships were demanding more um, in terms of disclosures from general partners and other interested parties about what ESG-related risks, especially climate-related risks, uh, might be for a particular company. And 47% of respondents in, a, in another survey said that as they, as they look um, as, as private equity investors to, um, to evaluate what, they, what the companies are that they want to be investing in over the next five years, what's going to be a really important driving factor for them is exactly what they can ascertain from the companies, what they learn from the companies about um, environmental, especially again, climate change related risks. Yeah, and I think it's, it's also important, you know, something that you and I have discussed that we've written about a little bit, um, you know, some of the obstacles that citizen litigants have run into um, in trying to, you know, bring cases, bring claims, um, whether it's against companies, against government entities, um, you know, for failing to adequately consider and address these risks. So, you know, these kinds of frameworks and regulations and uh, legal developments, I think, are important, not just for you know, the big investor, um, but also for, you know, the everyday person that wants to see these kinds of things really consider. Yeah. What's happening on the regulatory side and with the pressure from some of the business groups is in a sense kind of filling a void that some of the, the plaintiffs, some of the activists might be feeling when they go into the, the, the court system and um, not all that surprisingly get results in court, like court saying, well, we don't see that you have any concrete particularized injury that can be redressed here in court and therefore we question whether you have standing. So a lot of these cases, virtually all of them that you and I have looked at, aren't going anywhere so far. But again, it, it doesn't matter that much in terms of what may be uh, required of companies in the next year or two because of what's going on on the regulatory side and in the business community. Right. Um, and, you know, obviously we're, we're talking about um, the things that are coming down the pike, you know, the things that we're starting to see um, the beginnings of that will, you know, kind of dictate the future of this area. As it stands now, um, what would you tell, you know, corporate counsel who is thinking about these things and maybe staying on top of them? What would you tell corporate in-house counsel or, or things that they should be doing, um, 
both as far as staying up to date on these kinds of things and just in, in running their businesses? I think, first of all, they, they do need to recognize that this change is coming, that there are going to be these kinds of requirements going forward. I think what flows from that is that they need to, um, to the extent they haven't already, really begin undertaking in earnest um, an assessment of what the, the climate uh, change related um, problems may be, what the risks may be, and what the opportunities may be for, for their business so that they can begin to um, you know, kind of formulate in their minds what their ultimate disclosure may look like. Again, subject, of course, to what the SEC or other agencies are going to mandate in terms of the general form that needs to be followed. You can at least start thinking about you know, where we are as a business and, um, and what are, again, what our risks and opportunities may be as we face um, greater uh, climate change related issues in all likelihood in, in the coming years. And I think the next thing that, that should flow from that is beginning really as, as just kind of a, a matter of due, due diligence and covering yourself um, to create a paper trail that these kinds of issues are being assessed, they are being considered, that uh, board members or board committees or senior managers are focused on these issues and taking action, and that compliance officers are looking not just at what might, be, what, what might need to be done to comply with forthcoming SEC requirements, um, but also, you know, just in terms of, of climate change-related issues generally and climate change regulations generally, um, you know, what can a company be doing to comply now sooner rather than later, obviously, with um, what, what the requirements are, um, you know, across a whole host of, of areas, across a whole host of agencies. So I, I think the short answer to all that is that there is a lot that can be done and that now really is the time to be doing it. Um, and you know, staying abreast of, of what both the SEC and other agencies are doing, what states are doing at the state governmental level to um, kind of prepare for a world in which more and more needs to be disclosed by management formally in, in, uh, in corporate filings of one sort or another, I think really is a must at this point. And I also think it's important to highlight that not only is it the case that you know, this, this will help corporate counsel and companies deal with regulatory issues um, now and into the future, but these are the kinds of considerations that today's investor really cares about. Um, these are the kinds of things that I think will help companies to sustain and build themselves into the future. Um, so I think it's important to realize, you know, we're, we're attorneys and we're writing about the, the legal and compliance side of it, but just from a business operational perspective, you know, I think there are benefits to be had um, in maximizing efficiencies. And I think it's also going to attract a new generation and um, maybe a new day of investor to kind of keep these things top of mind. Sure. I mean, I, I spoke earlier about what private equity investors and limited partners are saying. You know, we're talking generally there about pretty sophisticated, pretty experienced investors. But even at the, the less sophisticated, potentially, or, or less experienced end of things, um, you know, you've got a lot of citizens out there, citizen activists, or people who aren't even that much activists, but at least really care about these kinds of issues, um, who really are going to allocate available funds, available funds for investment, uh, where they think it makes the most sense to do things from an ESG standpoint. Again, perhaps most importantly to, to some of them, it'll be what the environmental slash climate change related risks and opportunities are for particular businesses. We are seeing more and more of that, and that's why it's not just a matter of identifying risks, but also identifying opportunities. 
Absolutely, and I, I think that's a, uh, that's a really salient point um, to sort of wrap up on. Phil, thank you very much for, for participating in this very important and, and timely discussion. We look forward to, to bringing you more information about, about this topic and other topics, um, and all of that can be accessed at Bills and Sunberg's Lawcasts, uh, where we have a whole page of, of interesting discussions about topics just like this one.